all this Lenten season, we have been living in a tension, a tension about the humanity of Jesus and the mystery of God. And we come this morning to the place where Holy Week begins, right in the thick of that tension. The humanity of Jesus can be so comforting. As we see God in the flesh, and suddenly we can relate to God. We can feel with God, and God can feel with us. The knowing of what it is to be human is now shared with God and with us, connecting us with God in a way that could never, we could never connect before. But then there's that mystery piece. There's the fact that in the flesh... On our territory, living in our human body with the same limitations you and I face, in the flesh comes the mystery of God. When the word becomes flesh, God comes so close to our experiences. And yet in a story that we really can't understand, a story that actually confuses us before it ever saves us, So this is where Holy Week begins, close enough to the humanity of Jesus to feel with him, but also close enough to the mystery to not understand and be a little hesitant maybe, maybe even a little scared about what is to come. This is where Holy Week begins when we see a way forward that we would not have chosen to be that way. Walter Brueggemann writes of this Lenten way to say, this Lenten way is not your way. You would not have imagined this alternative way, nor been able to predict it, and you surely cannot control it. There is a way into the future in your life because God is at work doing strange, wondrous things for you and in spite of you, and your job is to get your mind off of your ways of need and control and to give your life over to God's large, hidden way in your life. And that is the life that we're wanting, life to the full, life everlasting, which is to say life that just never ends, it keeps going. But here, as Holy Week begins, we remember that journeying in the mystery of God is not for the faint of heart. Journeying in and towards and through the mystery of God requires a courage that does not come from just the surface. Holy Week is not about some cheap courage where you puff up your chest or you hide behind layers of armor. The courage required for this begins right here on the edge of Jerusalem when Jesus turns to you, a disciple, and says, go get the donkey. The journey begins right here, and we have to ask ourselves before we go, are we ready for this? Are we ready to walk forward into the difficult paths that will test whether light can shine in the darkness or not? Are we ready to follow this one who looks like us in the flesh, but moves around so mysteriously we cannot predict what happens when we go forward? Holy begins at this moment of decision for you and I. Our guide, the one who will ride the donkey, has already warned us this is going to be difficult. Our guide has warned us about the mocking and the spitting the flogging and the killing. And our guide has promised resurrection, but 
There's never an option that denies the risk that is to come. There's no other way. Inevitably, in our lives, we get to a place in a journey where we have come a certain place, um, and then we see things are about to get really hard. And we wonder, okay, how is this going to go? Is this the only way forward? I remember when I was pregnant with my first child, and I went to a birthing class, and I wondered, is there any other option? Of course, we knew that it was inevitable, but there's many other moments in your life, whether you're in a job or uh, an education or a life goal, where you've been going along, and you get to that place, and you look forward, and you realize, this is going to be really hard. This moment is going to be really hard. And you have several options. You know, do you stop, and you think, you know what, I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back home, because at least at home, I knew what was predictable, I knew what the bad days looked like. Maybe the good days weren't that good, but at least I knew what was coming. Or maybe you've gotten to this place on the journey and you decide, okay, right here, I'm just going to stay. You know, I'm very proud of myself. I've gotten this far. Um, That looks too difficult, and I think I could pat myself on the back, and we could just camp out right here, which if you remember, that's what the disciples did on the mountain with Jesus when he was transfigured. Like, can we just pitch a tent and stay right here? here. Maybe you know that you do need to go forward, but you think, I'm just going to tiptoe. I'm going to be really careful. And if maybe I could look where I'm going and I could just give great attention to everything, maybe I won't fall prey to all the danger that seems to be before me. Maybe there's a way to avoid the pain if I just move ever so carefully. Maybe you decide to go forward, but you think, Let a few other people go first. You know, watch them as how they move and where they step and where the landmines are and and the pitfalls. So maybe you don't have to risk as much. That's how I feel on the edge of Holy Week often. But we look at these disciples who appear to be making none of those choices or wonderings. Um, They're not considering strategies. They're actually just going and finding the donkey and putting Jesus on it placing Jesus, their guide, on it, and then they just follow. And they're not hesitant. They're not cautious. They're bold. They're loud. They cause a scene. The text says, the whole multitude of disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power that they had seen. This moment of erupting praise from the crowd just seems so out of place from where we stand and all that we know that's about to happen to them. I cannot help but every Palm Sunday to look at these multitude of disciples waving palms and throwing cloaks and consider everything they don't know. Jesus has tried to warn them repeatedly about what's to come and death is where they're headed, but the impending doom hasn't reached them, it seems. They're jubilant. They're elated. The moment just seems out of place. Also, if you've been reading the Gospel of Luke, the whole Gospel, you see that right before we get to here, Jesus is really frustrated. Jesus is frustrated, he's run up into a lot of challenges, and he has tons of foreboding warnings of what is to come. And so he's frustrated, and the disciples are praising. And then right after this text, 
we see Jesus weeping, looking over the city. He laments of all the ways that people have been unable to see God's presence in him, unable to see that his own humanity is the steadfast love of God, that the kingdom of God has actually come close. If you've ever had a moment when you had tried to really convey some message to someone, a child or a coworker or the public or your Facebook news feed, and you find that actually it falls on deaf ears, there's a sense of that you can connect with Jesus who's weeping over the city, except you and I in those moments, we're mourning our pride usually. We're trying to wonder how we could have been more effective. We don't see Jesus kicking himself as he's weeping over the city. We see Jesus mourning over all that this means for the people he loves, for the disciples and for the crowds and even for the authorities. So we have Jesus weeping and disciples praising. And it just makes me wonder, who are these people who sing at a time like this? It's worth noticing, you know, in different gospel lessons who tell this story, there are different aspects. I don't know if you noticed, but actually there were no palms in our reading today. That comes from another gospel. But in Luke's gospel, Luke is very careful to note that the crowds of people who are praising are not just random people who happen to be on the road. They are the disciples. These are the whole multitude of the disciples which means that all these people that Jesus had met along his way teaching and preaching, they're all in the crowd. And so we actually know something about this multitude who is praising. These are the people who have been found by Jesus. These are the people who have been healed by Jesus, who have been broken and, and, and Jesus took them under his wing and nurtured them. And therefore, in the crowd, these are the people who are financially insecure, In the crowd praising are the people who have been enslaved, who are ostracized and disenfranchised, the paralyzed and the mentally ill, the food insecure and survivors of abuse, fishermen and lepers and tax collectors and prostitutes. This is the multitude who is singing praises. So perhaps these are the people who know something that we don't. These are the people who know what it means to be at the end of your rope and have no other option. And that when you then find hope in Jesus, you're not going to leave that behind no matter the warnings. People who have seen the bottom, people who know what it means to be drowning and then be saved, and that you then don't leave the Savior. The disciples in that singing multitude know Jesus, the guide who is leading them, and they believe that his path of liberation and redemption makes the journey worth it, no matter the cost. This is a crowd that doesn't just have simple faith. They have recognized that there are no simple answers, and they gave up their need for a predictable God when they found Jesus. Their praise, I don't think, is ignorant of Jesus' weeping, as if they're just so self-centered they didn't even notice that he was frustrated or didn't even notice that he was crying because they've been with him. Their praise comes from their witness of Jesus' deep love for people. 
The disciples know that Jesus is not one who just numbs pain or ignores it or is resigned to it. The disciples in this crowd know and love their weeping Messiah. The one who comes and draws close to the brokenhearted and the broken systems. This is the same Messiah who is still weeping for our world. For black churches set ablaze by racial hatred. For children, young children who are worried in their bed at night about being condemned by God. That Jesus is still weeping. That Jesus weeps over our borders, that Jesus weeps over our 24 hours news cycle, making money off of bad news. This is the weeping Jesus who they are praising, that they love and they left everything to follow. And so we have to look at them and learn from them that this crowd knows that grief and lamentation stands hand in hand with mystery and love. These are the people who are confident in the mystery and the power and the kingdom and the glory of God because they're praising a weeping Savior whose tears are not to shame or condemn, but to reveal compassion and persistent, steadfast love. It may not be a Jesus that you grew up with or a God that you grew up with, but it is something that we have to seek In a moment when we uh, sing our final hymn, we'll get to the stanza where we sing about sinking down beneath God's righteous frown. And you may get uncomfortable because you think the frown has to do with anger and God's anger over the people. But what if the frown has to do with God's grief and lamentation for all who suffer? That we follow a God who loves us deeply enough to weep as we weep during Holy Week. This crowd of disciples, there is no warning of death or what is to come that can make them overcome their devotion to him. So this is where Holy Week begins. It's a moment of decision for you and I who think we know so much. It's a moment to wonder, have you tried saving yourself enough to know that it is not sufficient And that you might be ready to follow a multitude of disciples who believe and have faith that the humanity of Jesus and the mystery of God is saving us and worth following. But you must know, this journey is too difficult for you to walk it alone. We must never enter Holy Week by ourselves. This is where Holy Week begins surrounded by a multitude of disciples as you are right now, realizing that you are in the baptized community who holds faith together because mystery is much too much to handle on your own. You see, we are the people who have stood in the waters of baptism. In the waters of baptism, you never know what is going to come of your life. If you were baptized as a child or whenever you were, you came and made a commitment without knowing what actually you were going to face and what was coming. And we make that commitment to follow without knowing what is to come. And I don't think it makes us fools. And it doesn't make us naive. It makes us disciples. That is who we are. We walk into life not knowing what is going to come. 
We are the baptized community who came into the waters to face the age-old question, who is Lord, and declare, it is not us. We are not Lord, nor is our Lord one based on having the right gender or race or country of origin. We have come to say, who is Lord? Jesus Christ is Lord, the one who was born in a different country at a different time, who still rides into Jerusalem, weeping for a world he is still coming to redeem. Disciples who enter Holy Week, we are invited to renew that commitment, to remember it is not you who leads, and it is not some abstract ideal that's going to save you, that it is God and God alone who will do that. The good news is, is that in the waters of baptism, we already received forgiveness. A forgiveness that came long before we ever knew we needed it. So this, this is where Holy Week begins. Where we confess all the things that impede us. The moments where we assume ourselves lost and alone. Or the moments when we assume ourselves to have better ideas than our creator. Or better strategies than our savior. We begin Holy Week in confession, remembering there are moments when we forget that there is a community that can carry us forward when we can't go on our own. Holy Week does not depend on your all-star faithfulness. Holy Week does not depend on your recital perfectly of the sinner's prayer. Holy Week does not depend on you changing who you are at your core in order to be accepted within the standards of our day. In fact, Holy Week doesn't depend on you at all. Holy Week depends on love revealed in the humanity of Jesus and the mystery of God. So Holy Week begins when you're ready to stop depending on yourself and you're ready to go forward following the one who rides the donkey into Jerusalem. So receive this good news as you enter Holy Week. Forgiveness comes before Holy Week ever begins. We enter Holy Week forgiven and free already, following our guide. And so pick up your things and put down your cloak so that your hands can be empty and you can wave palms and you can raise your voice and sing and let Christ's courage carry us forward. May it be so. Amen.